All right. What's up, Junkies? We are on. It's a very special episode of the Junkies podcast tonight. It's all, it's like starting over. It is. It's a new era. Um, we want to welcome our first guest, Mr. David Polino. Hello, hello. Super fan. Super fan. Uh, my cousin. By Mar- oh, fuck all that. My yeah, marriage. Cousins. Stuff. <laughs> cousins. Yeah, yeah. Dude, we're brothers now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're all blood brothers. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, and hopefully, uh, so this uh, this will air on uh, the regular rockandrolljunkies.com website, uh, and hopefully by tomorrow we'll get everything up and running on iTunes. It's going to be a little bit different of a format. Um, we're not going to be playing as much uh, copyrighted music, if any. I know you guys like that a lot, but uh, we're going to kind of stick to uh, some local unsigned bands. Uh, from the area and if you are in a local unsigned band you know whatever state you might be in or you know whatever country you might be in just uh email us some of your music and we'll and we'll get that on for you absolutely but we're looking forward to a new era um a couple little changes but uh we'll get to those as they come so david we want to thank you first off for uh being our main supporter of this podcast. I love this podcast. That's like you a, don't you don't understand. Like I've listened to other podcasts. I'm like, uh, I don't know if it's my connection with you or we when I sit there, I'm like, I think the same thing. Holy shit. You know, you guys sometimes you you'll make fun of me, like, wow, his list was in. You don't understand. These lists have been in my head for like twenty years. You finally like, have an outlet. Yeah, like I finally yep. had this outlet to send them out, but I, I love it. I really do. So, um, you know, we know we know you like Kiss. We know what you're into. But um, just tell us a little bit about your, uh, you know, favorite music, you know, music's favorite bands, what, you know, your influences. Well, you know, I was a kid in the 70s. I was born in 74. I had an older brother. He had the Kiss posters on the wall. I was never afraid of them. I'd have cousins that would come over and be afraid. So that's what kind of started me. But um Growing up, my father was a big rock guy. He loved uh, anything from doo-wop to Hendrix, and the Beatles were his favorite. I mean, I hours and hours of sitting in his room listening to music with him. Uh, Led Zeppelin. More, I'm more of a classic rock nice. to the 80s and the early metal. Um, I say early metal, you know, <laughs> like Metallica, the th- early thrash. The nowadays the early the music now like I really like Volbeat I think they're yes, like, like a good band. I would yeah. not I would love to go see them I had tickets one time I couldn't go I I got those to, <laughs> I gave them to somebody it was Alice great. Cooper too <laughs> and uh, but that's pretty much uh, my musical taste I, I like everything everything but country I can't stand country music even like that. I mean, Southern rock is okay. Like, I love 38 Special, but I can't take that country music, man. No. I, I just I just had a dis- – I have a friend of mine, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, and he's a bit, he and his wife are big country fans, and I break his balls constantly about it. And – but I, I, I've, I've for so long told him that I hate country music, but now I realize I, do, I don't hate country music. I hate new country music. I I like I like Johnny Cash, I like Willie Nelson, I like Dolly Parton, the the old stuff, the new top forty pop country. That's what I hate. What was um what was the guy I forgot his name on Sound City that made oh. the comment about the music? Oh you know yeah, I, yeah, I know exactly. He played piano for uh for Elvis. Yeah, yeah. He said that he turns on he can't listen to new country radio anymore because he can't distinguish any of the bands. 
He, he can't. T- they're all, they're all sounding the same. They all have the same uh, song format. They all have the same hooks. Um, it's all about uh, you know, all drinking whiskey and shaking your ass. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Of course. Nice. Then again, most of the, the the stuff we listen to is all about drinking whiskey and shaking your ass. But uh, yeah, the hair was bigger. They and, do it a little better. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was more fun <laughs> to watch. Yeah, and I and I feel old saying that. Like you know, oh, I don't really like the new. You know, because that now I'm like you know I'm like one of those guys. It's like oh, the new music sucks. It's yeah. all about the old stuff. And my father was never like that. He he, my father's got into Metallica with me. Like we would blast it hmm. and. For some reason, and it's it's still my one of my favorite songs is uh, "Hero of the Day." Mm-hmm. Yep, and I think song. because me and my father had such a connection on that song, he loved that. Like it would come on in my room, like I'd have it playing, like as I'm getting ready to go out for the night, and he'd be like, "Turn it up, Dave, turn it up," <laughs> and I'd crank it, and he he just loved it. And I I don't want to get old like that, you know what I mean? Where I hate music, mm-hmm. so I got my son's little, but I'm hoping he'll get me into stuff when he gets older. Nice. My dad and I bonded over Guns N' Roses. Nice, nice. And that was he was he's always been a big uh you know, he was a big Beatles fan when we were growing up. Uh he got really into ZZ Top when like Afterburner hit. But when he took me to New Haven Coliseum to see uh uh Guns N' Roses when I was a freshman in uh freshman in co- uh, excuse me, freshman in high school. Um yeah, that's I never saw somebody air drum harder in in my life, nice. you know, and you know, and he'll still he'll still ask me about well, what's the guys from Guns N' Roses up to? You know, and about their different projects and stuff. Um, other than that, you know, he, he, you know, any of the bands that I go see, he probably doesn't recognize any names or anything like that. But uh, you know, he he's down with ZZ Top and he's down with uh, Guns N' Roses, a few stuff like that. And he he's a '99 rock yeah, PLR yeah. kind of guy. So I'm pretty sure all three of us were at that Guns N' Roses show. Did you go to? Oh, that that's one? right. Yeah, with Brian May yeah. opening. Yeah. yeah, I was. We were all there. Yep. That was killer. Uh, my dad is. My dad's more of the Elvis doo-wop guy. Yep. You know, huge Elvis fan. I mean, you've met my dad. Yes, Tony uh, Orlando. You met, you met the wedding and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, you know, he's, um, yeah, it looks like Tony Orlando. <laughs> but, yeah, he's, um, and, you know, when you when you kind of go back to it, like the, you know, rock and roll is just the blues sped up, sure. you know? So, like, growing up with the Elvis and the doo-wop and, you know, I'm a huge Frankie Valley fan. Like, yeah. it all just, it all comes around. It's just, you know, it's rock and roll, man. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it was the greatest gift. My my father passed away very young. He was only forty nine, uh, back in nineteen ninety nine. It was the greatest gift he could ever gave me. Like the memories of just listening to like every time I hear it, I think about "Don't Let Me Down" by the Beatles. Like yeah, that, like I could just remember being like sitting in the room with them and listening to it, and it's a it's the greatest thing. Nice. I love it. It bonds us. It does. Yeah, it it does. bonds us and yeah. binds us. And that's a good Beatles song, man. Yeah. Like that, that fucking guitar hook in that is that's great. That's awesome. Oh. And it's, it, isn't it the last song they ever performed together, too? On the roof, On yeah. On the rooftop, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. And if you watch videos of that, I mean, for a band that they knew they were breaking, they were fucking tight, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can't touch those guys. It was it was amazing. So, um well, speaking of Guns N' Roses, I know yes. you have some Guns N' Roses news. This has been bothering me for a few days. <laughs> um, you'll, I mean, you know, you'll notice that Anthony and I like to uh, rip apart our favorite bands and yeah. point out everything they're doing wrong. But, I mean, I don't know, David, if you heard this, but there was an article going around that um, the headline is, Did Guns N' Roses Steal Sweet Child O' Mine from an Obscure Australian Band? Did you hear about that? Yeah, and I listened to Did it. Did you listen also. to it? Yeah. Okay. 
The song is called Unpublished Critics by the band Australian Crawl. They were a band on Geffen Records. They broke up in 86. Um, I listened. Did you listen to it? At? I, I, I caught right. a clip of it. It's, it's interesting but, but, but that first, they were on Geffen. Geffen. I was just yeah. going to yeah. say that because Guns N' Roses started on Geffen. And in order for it to be a, plagiar- a plagiarism case, um, Guns N- they say Guns N' Roses would have had to have access to the music. Mm-hmm which more than likely they did. I'm not saying they did it, but... And normally I defend bands when shit like this happens because it happens a lot, but I listened to that the other day and it is very similar. Mm -hmm. Even the vocal flow of that. I mean, it's missing, you know, the signature lead and it's missing the, you know, the where do we go? Right. Like in the mid, but I mean... I don't know, man. It's pretty. It's pretty close. This- so that that because so that makes me think two things. That makes me think. Did they know? Uh, and why did this Australian band keep their mouth shut for twenty seven years? So many years. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, it that kind of makes makes sense. If if it was legit that Geffen said, "Hey, here's some money, shut yeah. the fuck up," or it just didn't know, but then that begs the question, well, why didn't they say anything over, over all this time? Um, the other thing is that, uh, you know, all the stories we've ever heard about the writing of Sweet Child of Mine exactly. is that Slash said, it was a joke. I was just noodling. And then, yeah, then Axel wrote the lyrics. Right. Um, also, the, um, I don't have his name here, but the singer of that band um, actually covers Sweet Child of Mine over the past like 15 years in his set. So he's known. He's it. known that I'm calling shenanigans. Yeah, this yeah. Is so funny. all of a sudden, I mean, come on. I th- so I think he's somebody's story is off. Yeah. So like, you know, like I said, I'm not saying they stole the song. We don't know what happened. We'll probably never know what really happened, but if you listen to it, it's on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. It's just it's too similar to be a coincidence, I think. And I don't know what the laws are in Australia, but I believe in the U.S. a song becomes public domain after a hundred years. Yeah, I think it's on the book. It's a hundred years. Yeah, which is why the only stuff that's that's public domain is like "Happy Birthday." Yeah, exactly. Like I think the Star Spangled Banner, yep. you know, stuff like that. I thought "Happy Birthday" wasn't public domain. I think it is. They still have to pay royalties. That's why you never see it on TV shows and stuff. Really? Yeah, I, I honestly I heard them talking about that on the, I'll have to look that metal that. show. That's really one, they, you know when they do the somebody quick, gets paid for Happy Birthday. Yeah, yeah, because they were like, "What song do you wish you wrote?" And the guy oh, said, yeah. "Happy Birthday," and he was like, "Yeah, you'd be getting paid because nobody could play it." Wow, because the royalty's so high on it, they don't play it. But I'm gonna to get back to that. I'm I gotta give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, it's only one song. It's you know, it's not like Led Zeppelin where there's. <laughs> a shitload of songs mm-hmm. that are very similar. Yeah, to plus, their... I mean, also if you think of the basis for uh, "Sweet Child of Mine," it's it's G, C, and D. Yeah, and I can name you twenty songs where the basis of that song is G, C, and D. I used to do a medley when uh, when I used to play at, at open mics, and it would be like "Sweet Child of Mine" going into like "Every Rose Has Its Thorn," going into "I Remember You" because it's all that's G, like, C, that's and all D. Different combination. Yeah, of those and, and three uh, chords. Um, I think. Uh, Heaven too by Warren. I yeah. all all those it, it's all G C D. So yeah. there's so, only so many ways you can play those three chords. Exactly. I, I wouldn't put it past a producer. Maybe 
worked on that album or something. That's what we should like, look up. If yeah, the producers like, are, I think they might have they might have skewed it to sound like like get that melody. You know what I mean? But because I don't um, think they wrote it copying off those right. guys. What's his name? Uh, Mike Clink mm-hmm. is the producer on Appetite for Destruction. So get in touch with that guy. I'm gonna email that fucker. The investigation yeah. continues. You you've heard it here first. <laughs> We're gonna get in touch with him. So. Yes. Investigative yes. reporting. Yeah, exactly. That's been bothering me, so I had to talk to someone about that. <laughs> My wife doesn't give a shit. <laughs> so, yeah. I gave a shit more about the reunion rumors yes. than I did about the, the plagiarism. And Slash had to go and say, never say never on a talk show. And well, now the fucking internet exploded. Hey, right. you no, know, but. Never say never. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fuckers just reunite please for one tour and make all of us happy reunite for one tour and have the like the start time be one in the afternoon so they're on by 10 oh yeah, my exactly God. yeah that would be perfect to give them a window yeah you know like, hey i i said it before i would i would go see guns and roses with miles kennedy fronting that and, would be and awesome. i would be very yeah. happy i mean he basically does it now so yes you know he sings those songs. But having seen him live and seeing that he can do the job, I'm all for yeah, that. Yeah, I saw him with Alter Bridge, and he fucking right. just blew it away. He's one of my favorite singers. Mm-hmm. So what else we got? Yeah, well, it's been a couple weeks. So um, did you see the thing about uh, Five Finger Death Punch? Yes. I, I went from really, really happy to like, oh. So I went from like cheering and cartwheels to like, oh, because all of a sudden Facebook and Twitter and everything blew up. Uh, with people tweeting that Five Finger Death Punch had uh, broken up on stage. Yeah, live. And it was a show that happened May 1st. And I watched the footage, because there was all cell phone camera footage. Um, things things weren't sounding right, and then one guy walked off stage, and another guy walked off stage, until finally like the lead singer is just standing there alone singing a cappella. Yeah. <laughs> and then he walks off on stage. And it, 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 was, it was very uncomfortable to watch. Um. But uh, they later said no. It was a, it was it was just a bad night. Uh, that their uh, their sound quality wasn't up to par. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll read the, the the tweet from Ivan, who I think is the lead singer. It says uh, there was a lot of technical problems last night uh, that were seemingly unresolvable. We had to make a decision whether to hit the stage crippled without being able to hear ourselves or delay the start of the show possibly for hours. We decided to proceed, but not being able to hear if I was in key and just guessing where we were in the song frustrated me to the point that I lost my cool. I'm not saying I handled it appropriately. Matter of fact, I've never been so embarrassed before. I apologize for taking out my anger on stage. You guys know me, and you know I pride myself on my live performance. And it goes on to say that they've uh, fired some members of their crew. So I guess the choice was uh, delay the show for a couple hours while they got the sound straight. Um or perform, you know, less than par, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and you know, I think I think about what I would do in that situation because there's plenty there's plenty of times, you know, me uh, you know me being in a in a band that's um, not exactly doing as big arenas as they are, uh, I can never hear myself on stage. Yeah, you never you never <laughs> do. No, the quality is 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 in the shitter. So I don't know. I might have just sucked it up and put on a show and and you know let the crowd know, hey. We're having trouble hearing out here, but we're gonna we're gonna plow through this. That would have been the cool thing to do. As much as I don't think Five Finger Death Punch is very cool, but <laughs> you know, man up. 
Yeah. Play the goddamn show and don't think, you know, don't have your fans think that you broke up on stage. Exactly. I just, I, I hear a story like that and I think of like the 15 year old kid that's been waiting months to see this oh, show. Oh, right. Exactly. And these assholes go and walk off the stage and yep. like. With no explanation. Yeah, with no explanation. That's, that's bullshit. That, yep. And two hours to redo their sound. I mean, come on. Yeah. You got professionals there with equipment that is state of the art. Half hour tops, yeah. and I'm, I think that's too long. At least when we saw Vince Neil get hit with a battery on stage, <laughs> they threw a battery at him. He can't, you you weren't at that show. <laughs> Wait, is that at the Wolf then? No, that was at um, a Motley Crue show at the Meadows. I might have. I don't yeah, remember. somebody threw a battery. And he walked off. He walked off stage for like fifteen minutes, but he came back. <laughs> <laughs> so suck it up. Yeah, people are paying good money to see you. And Vince doesn't care. He sounds like shit all the time. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. He hasn't hurt himself. How in about 20 that? Years. How about that Van Halen live album? I, Suck yeah. it up. <laughs> I do not know when it was, but somehow Vince Neil turned into Bob Dylan. Yeah. I, can't, I don't. I can't pinpoint it exactly. Maybe around Doctor Feelgood, but if you see him in live, he's. It sounds like Bob Dylan. Yeah. Yep. Be seeing him again in October. Yep. I'll be there. You doing the? Oh no, the, the uh, no. I'm going to the August show. Right. You're going to the uh, October, October, yeah. the Bridgeport show, and then that's it. That's well, and we'll see. Give it time. There's also all. Of, wait, is it 2015 or 2016? It's no. Their last show is New Year's Eve this, this year. Oh shit! That's it. So October might be the last Connecticut show. Well, that's what we thought when I. That's what I thought when I bought tickets for the August show. <laughs> that's why I, I didn't get any. I I saw them with Kiss. Yeah, and they were awesome. They were great. Nikki Six went right by me. I was like, "This is best." I don't want to see him again. I don't want to be. I left him on a high note a couple years ago. That's. I don't care. It's the farewell tour. I've seen him a few times. I I I said the same thing, and I might have skipped if not for the fact that I've never seen Alice Cooper. I'm honestly going for Alice Cooper yeah. again because I mean it's Alice Cooper. So, so. But you know, honestly, um, in that show, Mick Mars is the fucking killing it. I heard he is. Like he yeah. is. He's he's playing better. He sounds better. Um, Mick and Nikki are the stars of this tour. Like Nikki does this whole like baby lights half the stage on fire. Like it's just he tell he sits down and talks to the crowd for like ten minutes. It's awesome. I found yeah. it very interesting that like when they first were discussing ending it, it was kind of blamed on Mick's health. You know, right? They don't yeah. know how much longer he could do it. And then I saw an interview with him. Maybe a couple months ago, and he's like, "I'm not stopping." Yeah, he's already music. planning a solo mm-hmm. yeah. album. So I, I'm, they're, uh, yeah, here's, they're he, going to be back. He's uh, into doing collaborations yeah. now. Yeah. They're going to be back. Wasn't in- he going to do something with John Karabi? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Five, ten years, they'll be back. Mark my, <laughs> I, I, I say ten years. It's going to be five. Well, we've said this. They, they, they. I th- we have to look at that contract again. You know whether or not they said this. This is they will never tour again. Yeah, that's or they will said. never perform together again. Yeah. I think it's tour, so tour, yeah. you'll get the few one-off shows. So okay, so one week in New York, month later in LA, right? Well, let's put yeah. it this, like like uh, Billy Joel plays every month at, at Madison. Madison Square Garden. That's not a tour, yeah, and he's doing it for the rest of his life. It's he's a resident residency. Dies. Have uh, they had a residency at Vegas, Motley Crue? Yes, they have. Yeah, they I thought have. so. Yep. Yeah, there's the, there's the loophole. Fuckers, <laughs> <laughs> we're not touring. Speaking of uh, of Motley, though, um, mm-hmm. did you read what Tommy Lee said about the album with John Karabi? Yes, and, and I it's love his it. Favorite Motley Crue album. Yeah. I fucking love that record. I think that's their best record. I mean, I I just love. It's so heavy. The drums sound killer. The guitars are killer. And I think I told you um, 
not not on the podcast, but uh, during that recent Monsters Monsters of Rock uh, yeah. cruise, John Karabi played that album in its entirety. That's awesome. With his solo yeah. band, he has an acoustic record out where he covers some of those tracks mm-hmm. from the from the album. But he's doing very well, from what I understand, with uh, Dead Daisies. Mm-hmm. Have you heard Dead Daisies? No, I have not. They're great. Oh my god, it, it, John Karabi's in there now. Um, Dizzy Reed's in there. A um, few other guys from other bands. What's his name? The bass player. It'll come to me. Uh, oh, Mark Mendoza. Okay. Uh, yeah, great. The animal. Ba- yeah, I saw. Um, I saw them uh, play one of the one of the energy drink festivals uh, a couple of years ago, and they killed it. Another band calling it quits. Twisted uh, Sister. Next year, right? AJ Perro. Yeah. After their fortieth anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is uh is but they're finishing out the tour. I think right with Mike Portnoy. With Mike Portnoy. Yeah. yeah. Another band. That'd be guys cool. in eighty-five bands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know guys. Well, Johnny, like, your I know, I know, <laughs> I know guys like that too. <laughs> um, Do you hear about the thing with uh, Henry Rollins and James Eha? No. What's this? This? <laughs> this? I think this just came out in the last couple of days. So Henry Rollins and former Smashing Pumpkins guitarist James Eha, um, and Imagine Dragons Dan Reynolds and a bunch of other people. Uh, they're uh, are all associated with a potential new Amazon series. It's going to be a kids show called The History of Radness. <laughs> um, according to The Wrap, I think that's another website, uh, Amazon has ordered a pilot for the show which follows middle school age siblings Jack and Tessie as they form a band and navigate through adolescence. Rollins will guest star as Coach Carlucci. <laughs> I love that. Um, and Eha will create the original score. Um, yeah, and I guess that's going to be uh, shopped around. Uh, Rollins has done, uh, you know, it goes on to Rollins' credits uh, um, and a bunch of other things. But, uh, yeah, that would be interesting for a, ki- a kid show involving uh, Rollins and uh, and James Eha. Rollins wow. has kind of gotten soft in his old age. Yeah, really. He had that uh, spoken word tour. Yeah, uh, I've seen about eight years ago. Oh, I've seen many of his spoken yeah. word tours. I love them. Um, they're hit or miss. And and actually, it's funny because I've met I've met Rollins twice. I met him once on his spoken word tour, and he was the most personable guy you can ever think of. And then I met him with when he was on tour with Rollins Band, and he didn't want to be bothered with anybody. So he's like in a different mindset depending on who he's touring with. That's funny. That's understandable, though, because if I go and see Henry Rollins perform, mm-hmm. I want the Henry Rollins that's going to kick you in the face. Yeah, do backflips you know, on see that, stage. That shit. was him at, at, when I saw Rollins' yeah. band, which I'd love to see again. I don't know if they're ever going to tour again, but uh, that was a good that was a good show. I saw that at Toad's Place. Nice. Speaking of Toads, I want to talk about... Hey, speaking of Toads... We noticed let's get, some let's, things. Let's get to our new segment. This is uh, Ant's Rant. Ant's Rant of the Week. <laughs> nice. I wrote this all in my head. During the night? During during the night. You were on fire that night, by oh the way. Oh, my God. Was I? It, it might have been the alcohol talking, It was great, too. though. No. <laughs> I get very passionate when I get some liquor in me and rock and roll. It. Exactly. That's all you need is liquor and rock and roll. When, we should do a drunk bu- podcast one night. <laughs> you get really fired up. So this is entitled, I actually went down back home and, and wrote this. Uh, it's entitled, What Happened to My Toad's Place? And for those of you listening who don't know uh, what Toad's Place is, it's, it's, a, it's a club that's been uh, in New Haven, Connecticut. It's celebrating its uh, 40th anniversary this year. 
Al and I and and I'm sure Dave's seen tons and tons of shows there. You know, there were there was a time where I would be there, you know, almost every week, you know, during the summertime because there was that many good shows to see. There were times I was there three, four times a week. Yeah. yeah. The concerts that used to come through there were amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was such a small venue. It was great to see shows there. Yeah. I don't know what the cast, but what's the capacity over there, you think? Legally, it's 800. Yeah, I was Legally, it's 800. I think it's I, about 1,300. I, I think I've been there for at least 1,000. When I saw, I saw a hole there in mm-hmm. the Porno for Pyros, another, and they were like, couldn't. Like sardines, it yep. like had to be at least twelve hundred people. With the there. netting down the middle, I fucking hate that thing. <laughs> well, it's it's gone now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gone, gone now. now. They actually give you bracelets if you're over twenty one, oh, and they okay. let you just mingle yeah. with the underages. Oh, okay, so I'll I'll let them handle that before yeah. they get a liquor uh, uh, suspension again. Yeah. All right, what happened to my Toad's Place? I walked into Toad's Place in New Haven on Friday night, May eighth, for the Marky Ramone. Andrew W.K. show. This was a great show where um, Andrew W.K. was fronting Marky Ramone's Blitzkrieg and did an entire Ramone's uh, set. I will. I have the the set list. I will post it up on uh, on the Junkies page. It was about thirty five songs. Wow, thirty five songs in what would you say, Al? An hour and twenty? No, not. It, it was less than ninety minutes. Yeah, it, it really was. And no, no talking whatsoever. Say, Thirty-five they, times two, an they, hour, ten minutes. They banged out song after song after song. I, 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 they didn't even say hi to the crowd. No, they, like nothing. They, they didn't say a word until before the first encore. Right. Nice. <laughs> that was it. So I went to the show. I paid my twenty-five dollars, which uh, Al and I discussed. We thought was a little steep. We thought that uh, more people might have showed up if it was say, a fifteen-dollar yeah. cover. Um, but uh, I knew it was going to be a fun show. I was excited because uh, in recent years, there's not been many shows that I, that would get me to Toad's Place, uh, as rock shows have become replaced with EDM nights and glow parties. Uh, in fact, this was the first time I've been back to Toad's Place since seeing Guar and Corrosion of Conformity, which was back in December, five months ago. So, you know, used to go every month, now we're going <laughs> twice a year. Um this was not always the case. There was a time where you would find me at Toast Place at least a few times a month. Slayer, The Ramones, Weird Al, Patti Smith, Cheap Trick, The Misfits, and numerous others regularly performed at the venue, uh, which, as I said, c- celebrates its 40th anniversary uh, this year. In any case, I walked into Toast Place for the Marky Ramone show on Friday, looking forward to the night ahead. Uh, that was until I saw the stage, or rather the, uh, the audience area. Uh, in addition to the barricade that was in front of the stage, there were many tables and chairs set up, as well as a few rows of folding chairs. Uh, as I went to get my uh, over-21 bracelet for the bar, I asked the kid taking my ID what is up with the chairs. His response, this is, quote, Well, they're expecting an older crowd tonight <laughs> that might want to sit down. So I asked him, what's considered an older crowd? Because I, I was already offended by that statement. Um, he replied, well, they're expecting a, a crowd, you know, in their mid-30s to mid-40s. <laughs> uh, that's That set me off for the night. Because I don't care how old you are. If you are a Ramones fan, I don't care if you're an 80-year-old Ramones fan. You're not sitting down. Exactly. And no one did. <clears throat> nope. No one sat in those seats. Yeah. Um. But it made me realize something. It made me realize the fact, just that they put up those tables and chairs, that Toad's Place, after all these years of EDM and glow parties and foam parties and whatever the hell else they're doing that's not rock and roll, they 
are clueless to a rock show now. Yep. Yeah, they've lost touch. I exactly. I touch. just the fact that they set up tables and chairs for Marky Ramon, who I've seen play with the Misfits, and and, and, and nobody's sitting down for those shows. I just I, I was floored by it. So, what happened, Toad's Place? When did you lose touch of of you? You were the premier rock club in Connecticut, and I can't say the same. Yeah, for, for, I mean, for right now. Some of my, uh, some of my favorite shows were in that in that club. I prefer a show at Toad's over an arena any day. Mm-hmm. Um, can't really. I'm trying to pinpoint like when it kind of went wrong. Um, didn't the um, didn't one of the owners overdose? Like ten years ago, something, something, something like, like that. that. They have they've changed owners. Um, I don't, I don't really know what the management structure is over there, and I don't really know who's uh, in charge of booking. I mean, I, I, I knew, I knew that when um, my Lisa, buddy Jeff, Jeff, yeah, and uh, I forgot he the was, girl's he name. He was booking great. Um, I think there was a girl Hollis. Um, yes, I'm not sure if she's still booking there, but yeah. uh, it was it was good stuff. Now, one could argue that. Bands aren't coming to Connecticut anymore because you know you've seen they're not they're not just not coming to Toast Place they're also not coming to the Webster and a few, and a few other places because they're hitting Boston and they're hitting New York. Also because I uh, was reading that um, because of our location, mm-hmm. it's it costs more money for a band who's going from New York to Boston to do an extra to do a show in Connecticut mm-hmm. where they can do an extra night in whatever one of those cities it's cost less in production. Gotcha. You know, cause they could do two nights mm-hmm. in Boston or two nights in New York rather than waste a day going through Connecticut. Right. So I'd have to say that toads jumped the shark when they were trying to put that rooftop patio up there. Do you remember that? I don't remember the rooftop patio. It was like 10 years ago. They were fighting with the city trying to get oh, a rooftop yeah. patio. Oh. I think they jumped the shark when they created the jungle room. Yeah. Have you been in the jungle? No, room? I've not. That's been the, the back bar. They they put all these fake plants up and these a waterfall. Leaves and shit. It's the rainforest room. I'm actually honored that I've never been in the it's, jungle. Room it's it's pretty ridiculous. Place. As like, soon as as soon as I forgot what the first show was that uh, that had that. It might have been like Social Distortion. I walk back there. and I'm like, what is this? What's up with that? Uh, what is it? The lily pad upstairs. A, they were doing smaller like acoustic shows up there, yeah. but that I haven't heard much about going unless unless it's one of those uh multi-band things where they'll have bands upstairs and downstairs. I don't think it gets much much use. Is it a big room? I've never been up there. Is it the same size as It's small. It's it's smaller than a Cafe 9. Oh wow. It's got a little tiny stage and there's a little bit of seating and a bar and you know. Oh shit. Uh, or maybe maybe about the you know it's a different shape than Cafe Nine, so maybe maybe about the same capacity. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think the capacity for Cafe Nine is a hundred people. Oh wow! And I don't, I'd venture to say you know sixty would be uncomfortable up up at the Lily's Pad. But in writing this, there's one ray of hope for my Toad's Place, and that is the fact that College Street Music Hall opened on May first. And in doing so, has created competition. Yeah, and it's already working. And it's already working. Um, just just since since the announcement of College Street Music Hall opening, Toad's Place has announced, uh, well, we got Hot Rod Circuit this coming uh, Saturday. Saturday that I'm going to. Hate Breeds playing on June 19th. Mighty Mighty Boston's is playing on July 11th. Reverend Horton Heat and the Attics are playing on September 18th. 
And it's like, I haven't seen a Toad's Place yeah. schedule in years where there was four or five shows that I want to go to. Now, honestly, it hasn't been that those announcements, there hasn't been anything like that in like 10 years. No. I've yeah. seen Hapri there at least 10 times. Right. And the Boston's used to come through twice a year at least. Yeah. yeah. And when right was the last Boston? time the Boston's were, were years yeah. ago? You know, I mean, because I know my wife would have been all over that. You guys might remember this because uh, you're local, but they used to send out a flyer. Yeah, oh once, yeah! Once every like three months. I used to I be used on to, the mailing list. In the mailing list, mm-hmm. I used to get that thing. I was so I'd be so excited it yep. came in, and I would circle all the shows I wanted to go to, and I would put it on my mirror in my bedroom, and I would go to every yep. show. It was it was great, a great place, but I don't I don't know if I could see them lasting now with that. I would always check the uh, musical. I would always check the uh, the advocate for those schedules. Yeah. Yep. yeah, but well, this this is what I'm saying. I think I think that. Um, Competition is gonna is gonna be a good thing, not only for uh, Toast Place competing with College Music Music Hall, but you know we're talking just forty minutes away with the Webster Theater, who's gone downhill since Ben Wu passed away, yep. disappeared. Um, nothing, nothing. I want to go to see at the Webster Theater. Shitty, shitty bands. Exactly. And get your car so, broken into. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, yeah. thank you. So I think because because of I know the people who are booking in College Street Music Hall. There's going to be great stuff there. I mean, their their opening night was uh, the Machine with the Hartford Symphony Orchestra. It, uh, oh, <laughs> sorry, Frank Sinatra's Fra- here. Frank Sinatra ringtone. That. <laughs> That's okay. I thought I put on vibrate. Um, but uh, you know, like Lyle Lovett was there. They've already they've announced the Doobie Brothers. Yep. So they're going to be doing a great mix of stuff for stuff for um the younger people and stuff for the older people. Yeah, I um, love that. Kenny Wayne Shepherd and yeah. Johnny Lang. There's only there. so many times, you know, Toad's Place can have, you know, Deep Banana Blackout and Riders on the Storm. Oh yeah. my god. But I'm looking forward to them stealing shows from the Wolfstan at Mohegan Sun. That's what I'm looking forward yeah. to. Yeah. And that can happen. The, the only thing the only thing I, I do I must say I am at the Wolfstan all the time and I do love that it's free. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Of course, it's not really free. Yeah, <laughs> when once I get up there and buy dinner, pay for gas, and lose a hundred bucks uh, at the tables, it costs it costs less to go to Toads <laughs> or College Street. I am still disappointed that the White Snake show is forty five dollars. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, seriously, forty five dollars. So, Come on. I mean, I like White Snake, but I wouldn't have paid forty five dollars and eighty eight to see it. <laughs> College <laughs> Street, College Street Music Hall. We're asking you nicely. Put out a Groupon for that show. Please. Exactly for the older crowd. Um, but in I have had this conversation with a few people about the competition uh, being very good. So you got you got Toad's Place, you got uh, Cafe Nine, you got Three Sheets, you got the College Street Music Hall, and uh, you know Matt Flood, right? Yeah, Matt Flood gave me a quote. He says that you know you oh you also you toss in you know the outer space and 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 other small clubs. He says that with all this happening right now, we can be in for the best period in live music in New Haven since the early nineties. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. If you look at, um, I, I think I posted it on our page, but I found an old one of those mailings from Toads from '94. Mm-hmm. Within a month, the Ramones, Cheap Trick, Debbie Harry, mm-hmm. Iggy Pop, Reverend Horton Heat, and it's like a and um Slayer, all mm-hmm. within a month in April of '94. Yeah. Where's my time machine? I went. Yeah. I went back to an uh, old schedule and literally. Um, Corn and Marilyn Manson, like both before they kind of broke, mm-hmm. played the same week. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I also found the, another little interesting fun fact about uh, Toad's Place. Apparently, 
Uh, that is where Rob Zombie met Sherry. Yes, on a blind date, right? I don't know if it was a blind yeah. date, but uh, but they uh, yeah, because her cre- family's they from credit they credit Toad's place uh, with that uh, with that couple getting together. Also, if you watch the documentary on Ginger Baker, mm-hmm. beware of Mister Baker. He wears a Toad's place hat for part of the interview. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Very nice. So that's my rant on Toad's place. So. I'm anticipating good things in the future, but I was kind of floored at the Mark Ramone show. Just those tables and chairs set me off for the night. All they did was get in the way. They did. All they did was get in the way. Yeah. And they ended up in the pit a few times. Yeah. I was going to say, if I was there, I would have just folded them up and put them to the side. People were just, you know, they were just pu- into pushing them, and, like, pushing, pushing them away. away. Yep. So that's my toad's place. I got one other uh, little bit of news before we get to the top fives. Um, this one I was kind of excited about. I wish I, I wish I was able to make it out to uh, to California for this. Did you hear about uh, the cat house, no. Ricky Rackman's cat house? No. Okay. Um, I'll just give you a little description of that. In the late '80s, early '90s, uh, Hollywood was hopping with some of the top hard rock and metal acts, and right at the center of it was the Cat House, a weekly nightclub show, which was backed by uh, MTV Headbangers Ball host Ricky Rackman, and I believe um, the uh, what's his name from uh, Faster Pussycat? Tie me down. Yes, yeah, tame he, me down yeah, tame, tame down. Yeah, he he ha- was part of that as well. Um, well, they're they're by popular demand, they're having a Cat House concert. Nice. It's going to be uh, Saturday, August 15th at the Irvine Meadows Amphitheater in Irvine, California. Here's the lineup. Extreme, Tom Kiefer, Sebastian Bach. Uh, those are the three like co-headliners. Also on the bill will be Dokken, Faster Pussycat, Stephen Piercy, Saigon Kick, Gilby Clark, Dangerous Toys, L.A. Guns, Junkyard, Trickster, Autograph, Black and Blue, Tracy Guns, which I find interesting, the L.A. Yeah. Guns and Tracy Guns are going to be playing. Uh, Enough's Enough, Bullet Boys, Bang Tango, Jet Boy, Pretty Boy Floyd, Tough, and Little Caesar. Plus, at the end, an all-star jam. If I was ever going to have a wet dream about 80s glam rock, it just happened. <laughs> it's the it's going to be spread out over two stages. Um, wow. They're saying that tickets for this could be a, as low as fifteen dollars. What? Awesome. Okay, and um, and uh, the, the quote from Ricky Rackman. This is good. The music scene isn't what it was. Uh, the music scene isn't today what it was like back then. That type of decadence. We're going to bring the debauchery of the Cat House back to Southern California. SoCal needs this kind of rock festival so people will have a chance to go out, have fun, and enjoy a great rock show and all its excess. Uh, Cat House was a very successful weekly nightclub for six years, so we're trying to pack all those years of Cat House into one night for the Cat House Live. All I want is for those who go to show to the show to have a good time and say that was the best rock festival ever. But they only had a weekly show there? I guess I guess yeah it was a, it was a week it was, it was called the cat house. I was always under the pressure that it was a club. That's what yeah, I thought. I see Axel Appar- used to wear the shirts all the right, time. But yeah. apparently it was a weekly night. Oh, okay. You know, like the space has Honky Tonk Tuesday. Oh, so it was the cat house. Oh, that's weird. Ex- yeah. Exactly. So it was like cat house Saturday or whatever once huh. a month. Um but I think that's killer and, and honestly if I didn't have a wedding to DJ on that night I have friends out in California, and Jen and I have been wanting to head out there, and this would have been the perfect reason to go out to California. Oh, I would be so jealous. So I sent this to my buddy Eric, who's out in California, um, and I said, please go in my absence. So, But he's right now um, 
he's uh he's hanging with what's his name the American Idol Nick Frediani Nick, Nick Fred yeah, yeah. Frediani they're yeah they're all friends I'm I'm friends with his yeah. drummer in, Be- in Beach Avenue so yeah no, I guess guys. we'll find out this week if by, uh, by if the local boy is going to be the next American Idol you know yeah I. All right, let's not talk about American Idol too much, but he's better off not winning. That's what I've said. In my opinion. You're better off getting second place. Because you're bound to that contract. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone that's tried to put out a rock album, um, if you do a little research, you get two songs on the record that you get to choose. Mm-hmm. The other 10 are you're forced to record what they make you record. Well, right. I was under the impression that the top like four that go on tour or whatever it is, that they... American Idol producers have first right of refusal to sign you. So even if he he doesn't win, he, they could still say, you know what, you didn't win, but we're signing. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to another uh, record okay. company. Yeah, and you know, and so he could be bound by that too. That's why Jimmy Iovine scoops all of them up for Interscope, right, or whatever. He owns everything now. So, huh. and I I've met the kid Nick uh, a few times, and I remember when he was younger, growing up in East Haven. And I got to say, he was always a good kid. He was yeah. always very mm-hmm. respectful. Like, that's not an act you see on TV. He really is a good guy. Hey, so we might have a local American Idol tomorrow. I hope he wins. Just, you know, because, you know, I, I'm like I said, I'm friends with his drummer, Zippy. Um, and it, it's cool because we have a lot of, uh, I've never I've never met the kid, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of friends in common. Mm-hmm. It's always, you know, always good to see somebody like that, you know, do well. However... The only thing that pissed me off is he just came back for that hometown concert. Yeah, you know, thirteen thousand people or something on the on, on the, the uh, on the Guilford Green. Green. Yeah, and all I'm thinking about is where were any of those people when his band was playing at a bar up the street yeah. for yeah. like ten people? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or he'd be playing acoustic, right. Like at the Regal Beagle, or right? Something. So I just reiterate: support your local band, support support your local artists because you never know who you're gonna see. First, yeah, exactly. who next week is going to be, you know. And this kid's been grinding for years. He has. Really he has. The and, you know, and his band has a good following. But, you know, he wasn't he wasn't doing a 13,000, uh, you know, uh, before American Idol. Weren't they on the X Factor, too? They were on the band uh, or what? Oh, no, America's, America's, got, America's talent. got Talent. Yeah. 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 Okay. And actually, uh, Howard Stern recently gave them a shout out on a show because he really liked them. And he nice. he wanted them to go a little further than they did. Yeah, that's awesome, though. I, I'm going back to Toads. Some of the best shows I saw at Toads were all local music. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know? absolutely. And I, I say local music, but like even bands from Massachusetts. I don't know if you remember the band Greedy Edna. Oh yeah, you guys oh, remember yeah. them? Yeah. Yep. They, I loved it. I still got the CD. I listen. I listen to it like every few months. Hmm. I love them. Uh, there was another band from Massachusetts, Sam Black Church. Do you guys? Oh yeah, I remember yep. Sam Black. They yeah, used to play they, Toads they all the time. Yeah, like they were awesome. And of course, Gargantua Soul. That's like my favorite local band. Spring Hill Jack, they made it big though. They're coming back. Oh yeah, it's another. That's it, another. It, it just, that just get announced at Toast nice. too. They're uh, two <laughs> weeks. Two weeks after the Boston's the reunion show. And what's well, it been? We were at their farewell. show. We were. We were at their farewell show. <laughs> you remember when they played? Remember when they had that big party down in New Haven? That street festival. Yeah, remember they the street fest? Yeah. I saw them that. Actually, yeah, I, I think that, that same festival. I think I went to one stage to see Spring Hill Jack and the other stage to see Blind Justice. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and I think presidential targets were that same uh, wow. same festival too. The street fest was great. And let's not forget great. about the tune-in. Oh my god! Oh my god! So many good shows. Every, I saw the tune-in. So many speaking punk of, bands. Speaking of uh, Blind Justice and Gargantua Soul, DJ Budsy. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's yes. right. Just want to give him a shout out. Yeah, he was that, a, he was a great guy. He was. He. Um, I think I've only had I only had one conversation with the guy, but 
he was a super cool dude. He was that kind of guy where if you met him once, you guys were friends forever. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he was. He well, was I, the way I put it to a friend of mine, I was like, you know, I, I I didn't know him that well. You know, we 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 would say hi in passing or whatever. But he was one of those guys that he was just always there. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah you yeah. went to a show and there he was. And yep. uh, yeah. I used to watch him. Uh, uh, one particular uh, moment, I was watching him uh, DJ with one turntable and a cassette player. Nice. And was nice. and was killing it. Yeah. He used to DJ in between G Soul sets. Yeah, like yeah. He, well, he ended up joining the band. Yeah. They had him in, and I believe it was like their third album. He actually became a member, right? Oh, and he nice. ended up he played with uh, Woodstock with yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, okay. That right. was uh, was that the ninety nine Woodstock? Ninety nine. Yeah. Believe, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Ninety nine. Is that all you guys have for news? Because I have one in my head. Oh yeah, Give what it do you to got? us, man? I forget the name. Is it Volvova? The oh, female lead right singer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No I'm more. Fired. Vol- Volvatron. Volvatron. That's yeah. it. Fired. Yeah. Apparently, for what they say, drinking, alcohol. Too, yeah, drinking too much before the show. Well, I got to tell you, last time I saw Guar, she didn't contribute a whole hell of a lot to the show. So, why are they calling her the lead singer? It, well, I think what happened was that is the re- reason why they're saying is, is they replaced Odorous. With two new members, yeah, both of which who sang. Okay, um, what's his? I think his name's Balbazar or something. He's like the big Viking dude with the udders. Mm-hmm. He did all the singing for the night, and she only came out like halfway through the set to oh, really? do a couple of things with them, and you know, squirt blood out of her tits, and that was it. Oh, she wasn't out there the whole time. No. Oh shit. So I mean, I I I didn't think it was necessary for her to even be there. I mean, she wasn't exactly uh, taking the place of like Slamestra. Um. But I, as far as I'm concerned, she won't be missed. But they said they are going to replace her. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. My contribution. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Well, you have another contribution because we're going to be going into the uh, top five lineups. Oh, here we go. All right. We'll let you kick that off. So uh, if you guys remember uh, last show, we asked you to uh, give us your top five lineups of bands that have maybe gone through several lineup changes. Or if you just like the lineup, whatever. I'll be honest with you. I tried to stay clear of original lineups while doing this. Uh, okay. Because it's too easy to say, oh, I like the original yeah. lineup, you know. I did, too. You did, too? Yeah. I, I stayed I, away from I, that. I, I think that unconsciously too. I stayed away from that. I thought you had yours on graphing paper. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is? It is. Oh, it is. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> that's fucking, well, that's rock and roll This right is there. the first time I had to actually write it out. Normally, I just type it out on my <laughs> iPhone or my iPad. Oh, for, real quick, though, before we proceed. Um, we forgot to mention that Marky Ramon mm-hmm. drove himself to Toad's place. Yes, in a nice. 2015 Dodge Charger. Yes, he did. And nice. He parked it right in the front, and he got after the show. People were huddled around his car. That's how fucking punk rock Marky Ramon is. I've actually seen somebody do that before. They believe it or not, I was at a show for. Um, Remember the rap band Third Base, the rap group. Oh Third yeah, Base? Pop Goes the Weasel. And, yeah, MC Search, the guy <laughs> yeah. from that band. Pulled up in front, literally like 10 minutes before they were supposed to go on, came in, went downstairs, came back up on the stage. After the show, he walked right out the door, jumped in his car and took off. Yeah, Marky was like, I got a long drive back to Queens. They were <laughs> they were playing the Stone Pony the next day. Oh. So, but I was just like, are you fucking, I was like, they don't have a tour bus. They have, they yeah, have I mean, he got in his car and any pictures or autographs that he gave was through the window. Yeah, he was his, sitting in his car. car. So, okay. Sorry, Dave. Top five lineups. Are we ready? Okay. We are ready. First time doing it live. A live read. <laughs> yeah, a live read. All right. Uh, my first honorable mention is Black Sabbath. Uh, my lineup is the Heaven and Hell era. I got Geezer Butler on bass, Tony Iommi on guitar, 
Bill Ward on drums and Ronnie James Dio on vocals. Brilliant yes. lineup. Uh, second one is Van Halen. Uh, Eddie Guitar, Alex Drums, Michael Anthony Bass, and Sammy Hagar. As much as I uh, like David Lee Roth era and you know the album 1984 and Fair Warning and all of that, I got to say, I really got into them when Sammy came out as the singer. Mm-hmm. I went and I saw them tape the concert in New Haven Coliseum, nice. Live Without a Net and stuff. And I, I really got into 5150. I, I thought that was great. You were at the Live Without a Net show? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Who else? Um, Black Truck was there, too. Oh, was he? Yeah. It was actually two shows. Oh, it was? It was two days. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was only at one of them, though. But they filmed two. They had two concerts. And then they mixed them together. Um. So let's see. Number five. Uh, Anthrax, Among the Living Era, Charlie Benante, uh, drums, Frankie Bello on bass, Scott Ian on guitar, Dan Spitz on guitar, and Joey Belladonna. Uh, these guys, uh, let me tell you something, my, possibly the coolest rock guys I've ever met. Yeah. I was freshman or eighth grade, I can't remember. We skipped school, took the bus downtown. Judas Priest uh, was playing New Haven Coliseum. Anthrax was opening up. Uh, it had to be eighth grade. I was big into me and my friends played Dungeons and Dragons. So we were walking to alternate universe. Well, we passed the old colony in and I look in the window and Anthrax is in the restaurant sitting there. That's the hotel they were staying in. I'm like, holy shit. I said to my friend, that's Anthrax. So we, we walk in and we walk into the restaurant and we're, we're almost there. We're like 15 feet away from them. And managers come on, get out of here. You guys can't be in here. And Scotty and stood up and said, no, let him come. And they let us sit with them. To me, it seemed like an hour. It was maybe fifteen minutes, mm-hmm. but it was the coolest thing ever. That's I was awesome. I was so psyched. I like. I, and this was be- God damn it! It was before fucking cell phones with cameras. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, nobody had a camera mm-hmm. on them. You know, the next day, you know, we had autographs on napkins and stuff. But it would have just been cool. I, man, wish I had a camera. Yeah. <laughs> damn it. Um, next is gonna be uh, Ozzy. Um, Ozzy Osbourne I loved uh, The Ultimate Sin era Nice And even Bark at the Moon But the lineups were different And I liked Ultimate Sin A little bit better um, Ozzy uh, Phil on bass uh, Randy Castillo on drums And Jakey Lee on guitar Jakey Lee I think Is Right up there If not better Than Randy Rhodes I know that's sacrilegious To some people But this guy was incredible, and he never got the due he should have got because he came in after Randy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, he he basically wrote most of Bark at the Moon, and Ozzy gets credit for it. Mm -hmm. You know, he was he was great. Uh, Number three, I'm gonna add some extras in here. (laughs) Uh, Guns and Roses, Uh, Dizzy Reed on keyboards. This you use your illusion era. Uh, Axl Rose on vocals, Slash on guitar, Duff on bass, Izzy on guitar, Matt Sorum on drums. And I'm also going to put in here, even though he didn't tour with them, uh, Shannon Hoon, who did backing vocals on five songs. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Live and Let Die, November Rain, The Garden, Don't Cry, and You Ain't the First. And I'm adding to this lineup Alice Cooper. Yeah, for The oh. Garden. Alice Cooper. For The Garden, yeah. Because not only did he sing backing vocals on three songs, he sang lead vocals on, vocals on the song. So I'm throwing Alice Cooper in on the Guns N' Roses lineup. It's a pretty badass super group. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> Um, number two is Metallica. It's uh, Master of Puppets era, my favorite uh, Metallica album. Uh, James, Lars, Kirk, and Cliff Burton. And then number one, as if it's a surprise, Kiss. <laughs> um, this was my, believe it or not, this was my hardest lineup to pick. 
because I really wanted to pick the Creatures of the Night era. But fucking Ace didn't play on it. He's yeah. only on the album cover. Yep. So I couldn't. And my next best thing was uh, basically the, not Lick It Up, but after that, Animalized Asylum, Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade era. Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Eric Carr, and Bruce Kulick. Another underrated guy who basically because of the guys before him didn't get the credit he deserved, but he was a kick-ass guitarist. I mean, if you watch the MTV Unplugged, he he blows Ace Frehley away. Yeah. Like yeah. He actually had to teach Ace Frehley like, his songs again yeah. and show him how to play yeah. them on acoustic guitar. Yep. But that's uh that's my list. That's that's about it. Nice. Live. Yes. All right. You want we, me to go? Well, we got uh, some emails. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I'm not Oh, not just me this time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> forgot about that. Here, I'm I'll, I'll give you Fernando's okay. to read. All right. Thank you, Fernando. Thanks, Fernando. So, um Fernando I think you'll like his number 3. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Fernando's number five is the Motley Crue album with John Karabi. Uh, loved the self-titled album. I thought I was the only person in the world who loved this album. Uh, the recording engineering sounds amazing. Tommy's dr- also Tommy's drums and mix mixed guitars sound perfect. I agree. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Uh, the David Lee Roth uh, solo band lineup for uh, the first round. Uh, David Lee Roth, Steve Vai, Billy Sheen, and uh, Greg is Bissonette, Bissonette. Mm-hmm. Um That's a great line. Sky, skyscraper. Yeah, I saw that tour. <laughs> I did. I saw it at New Haven Coliseum. Poison opened up for him. I would have loved to nice. see that tour. Poison opened up for him. He drove a surfboard around the crowd. All right, so his number three is uh, Faster Pussycat with Al Rose and Anthony Apuzo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> Maybe he meant Sweet Lucy. Who knows? Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> number two is the Red Hot Chili Peppers with uh, John Frusciante, Flea, Anthony Kiedis, and oh, Chad Smith. Pick. I'm mad I didn't have that on uh, the list. His number one is a really good pick, too. It's the, um, this is the uh, Megadeth. I believe it's the Countdown to Extinction era. Um, Dave Mustaine, Dave Ellison, Marty Friedman, and Nick Menza. Classic lineup. Mm-hmm. Great fucking albums. So. Thank you, Fernando. Thank you, Fernando. I have an email here from William McGinnis. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so uh, he uh, he preempted his list by saying that uh, he needed to make sure that he, I, he actually enjoyed the albums from uh, more than one lineup of the band before he picked his favorite lineup, which is cool. Um, he has uh, honorable mentions, uh, uh, the Ramones with Joey, Johnny, Dee Dee, and Marky. And uh, he says the first three albums for the Ramones with Tommy may have set the tone, uh, but they built the material with Marky, and he thought Marky Marky was a better drummer. We we saw him. Yeah, he was tight as fuck. Yeah, he was. Um, let's see. Williams uh, number five uh, is uh, Santana with Carlos Santana, uh, Marcus Malone, David Brown, Rod Harper, and uh, Greg Raleigh. Uh, he says it's the band that blew everyone away at Woodstock. You know. Uh, his number four was Pink Floyd, Roger Waters, David Gilmour, Nick Mason, uh, and Richard Wright. And, uh, you know, he says you can enjoy the space trippiness of Barrett and the Gilmour led band had its moments, but the truly great moments all occurred while Waters, um, odd, oddly British daddy issues led the way. So, oh, yeah, Roger Waters is oddly British daddy issues led the way. I did read that again. <laughs> Uh, his number three is the Allman Brothers Band with uh, Greg Allman, Dwayne Allman, 
Barry Oakley, Dickie Betts, Butch Trucks, and is it Jamo? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I know I know I know a lot of the Alm brothers band stuff, but I never I never actually paid attention to who's in the band. Yeah, I just know the the Alman brothers. I and, know Dickie Betts. Yeah. Yeah, that's my father And the Alban brothers. Um he has his number two was uh the Foo Fighters. Nice. Dave Grohl, Taylor Hawkins, uh Chris uh Shiflet. Is it yeah. Shiflet? Uh Nate Mendel and Pat Smear. Okay. He says uh, Smear did not officially join the band until 2007, but he's been playing with them since 2005. So in your honor and everything after, uh, a rare band just continues to get better and better. They really do. They do. I, I just, they're true rock. And his number one was uh, ACDC with uh, Bon Scott, Angus Young, Malcolm Young, Phil Rudd, and Cliff Williams. Nice. And it was, uh, he said it was a hard call uh, as Williams was only in the band for two studio albums, Powerage and Highway to Hell. And, uh, one live album, and Bond, pa- Bond passed on, but these guys were amazing. The band had highs both before and after, but this lineup uh, says if this lineup stayed together, it would have been, you know, amazing. I like that he put the Allman Brothers in there. Yeah. Mm. My wife's named after uh, Sweet Melissa. Oh. oh. Yeah, nice. yeah, that's right. her father's a huge Allman Brother fan. Dinky Betts, he loves them. And he named her after that. That's awesome. Nice. But, you know, I named my daughter Abigail after King Diamond. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's that brilliant. Time? Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> so thank you, William, for contributing. What do you got, Al? All right. Um, I had one honorable mention, and it was the um, the Heaven and Hell lineup uh, that David mentioned earlier. Um, it's Ronnie James Dio. I mean, come on. So uh, my number five is... Um, the Rat lineup with Jizzy Pearl on vocals. Oh, yes. Jizzy Pearl, Robbie Crane, Bobby Blotzer, Warren D. Martini, and John Karabi. Robbie Crane. I saw every time they came to Toads, I saw them. Um, I got pictures and hung out with all of them. Fucking really cool guys. Robbie Crane is great. Robbie Crane, who also played bass on Vince Neil's first solo album. His first job was um, Bobby Dahl's bass roadie. Oh, was it? Yeah, when he was like 18 years old. Nice. Uh, my number four is the uh, Motley lineup with John Karabi on mm-hmm. vocals, uh, Mick Mars, Nikki, and Tommy Lee. Um, love it. Now, wait, because I put that in my honorable mentions. Okay. So are you saying that you like that incarnation of Motley Crue better than Vince? Honestly. Because that was my my deciding factor with whether I put it in my list or made it an honorable mention. All right, I don't know. If, uh, let's see if this makes sense. Yes, I do like that better, mm-hmm. but I also really enjoy the lineup with Vince Neil. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's my favorite Motley album. Right, it's just yeah. it's killer. Uh, my number three, uh, my three and two are the only ones with uh, original lineups. It's the the David Lee Roth, um, Eddie, uh, and Alex, and Michael Anthony. I just I have a piece in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two is the original Guns N' Roses lineup, um, Axel, Slash, Duff, Izzy, and Steven. Um, besides Kiss, they molded me into the man I am today. Oh. Uh, middle-aged, boring metal fan. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my number one, which I am proud to say, and we did not talk about this before, matches my boy Dave's here. Nice. My favorite Kiss, my favorite any... Any lineup of any band, Paul Stanley, Gene, Bruce Kulick, and Eric Carr. My personal favorite Kiss era was the non-makeup era. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, I love it all, but I just really connected with that era. Brilliant lineup. Nice. Can't beat it. Nice. 
mic drop. Ah. Mic drop, nice. <laughs> so I, I had a couple of honorable mentions. I had the Motley Crue with John Karabi. I also had the Motley Crue with Samantha Maloney. Oh, on drums, Who I saw yeah. live, and she tore it yeah, up. Yeah, I saw that tour, too. Um, I had Red Hot Chili Peppers in there, too, but I had them with Dave Navarro. Good. That's the, that's one of their best yep. records. Um, I also had Anthrax in my, in my honorable mentions, but I like the version with John Bush. Oh, damn you. He likes Bush. I do. <laughs> I do. And you know what? When we get when we get Ron Zombie in here, he will he will go be, he will fight anyone who says that Anthrax with Belladonna is better than uh, uh than with Bush. Okay. We're Bush guys. <laughs> um I also have to agree with the uh the Black Sabbath lineup with Dio is absolutely fantastic. My number 5 um was Kiss. And I just and I put in there. I just put Kiss, Bruce Kulick area, a, a Bruce Kulick era, including Eric Carr and Eric Singer. Okay, yeah, I just revenge. Kinda, yeah. So it went from Asylum, Crazy Nights, Hot in the Shade, Revenge, Kiss Unplugged, you know, right, right across the board there. My number four is the current incarnation of Slayer with Gary Holt. Oh, yeah. No disrespect to Jeff Hanneman, but Gary Holt is tearing it up. I got to slide over. This kid's going to get hit by lightning. (laughs) Lucifer's going to come up and rip him through the ground. Through the table. You (laughs) saw him. I did see him. Did those songs ever sound tighter? Well, like we said this a a couple weeks ago that, you know, it's unfortunate Hanneman passed away, Mm -hmm. but Gary Holt is the only guy that could have replaced him. Yeah. It, it's that's I mean he 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 does a good job. He's doing the job. Yeah, so yep. Um, my number three uh, is Guns N' Roses, the Use Your Illusion era, Gilby Clark, Matt Sorum, uh, Dizzy, Alice you know. Cooper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alice, Alice Cooper yeah. thrown in there. Shannon <laughs> Uh I believe wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't Sebastian Bach on one of those tracks too? Maybe. Was oh, no, that was the mo- no that was Doctor so. Feelgood. That yeah. was Doctor Feelgood. Yeah. Um, my number two was uh, uh, Megadeth. Um. The incarnation with Dave Mustaine, Dave Elfson, Marty Freeman, and Nick Menza. That lasted four albums. Started with my favorite, Rust in Peace, uh, Countdown to Extinction, Euthanasia, and Cryptic Writings. Okay. Cryptic Writings, I do not like that album. Who was on Risk? R- uh, that was a shitty album. Risk still had Marty Freeman on it, but at that time they had replaced Nick Menza. I don't remember with okay. Um. And my number one is Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. Wow, nice! Really, I yes. did not expect that from Redemption. You. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? It's it's you know I, it, it was kind of back and forth between the Megadeth and and the Van Halen, but I can always put on Van Halen and like rock and, and no matter what mood you feel good. As much as I love Megadeth, I can't always put it on and like be like, "Hey, yeah. we're having a good day," you know. <laughs> but but you know the party, you know, of Van Halen with Sammy Hagar, that does it for me. Wow, I mean, I think that's like Van Halen and ACDC are like the best transition, yeah, of have of going from one lineup to another and not missing a beat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, so I love it. I love it. So I think all good, uh, all good choices from everybody who emailed us and uh, the three of us sitting at this table. The uh, the list uh, what was that Fernando. Yeah, is that the kid that has the uh, cover band, the Weezer band? We- yeah, dude, they rocked at yeah. the show. You guys, they're had. really good. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the they're Ramones great. tribute band was good yeah. too. Yeah, don't get me wrong, but those guys, I was very impressed. Yeah, they're they're good. That was I, only like their fourth show. I had too. to take my mask off for that. Well, yeah, <laughs> An- another another <laughs> band with a great lineup change. Weezer, yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, they're the you know the the one the the incarnation uh, 
uh, that they've had, you know, for the last how it's got it's long now, ten years. Yeah, at least that, uh, yeah. it's fantastic. Oh, but uh, top five for uh, next week. I think you uh, you had uh, you'd picked it. We're gonna do top oh, yeah. five uh, music documentaries. Yeah, rock documentaries. Oh, rock docs. Yeah. yeah, remember that they used to have those on MTV. Yeah, yeah. rock docs. That's the first time I, I remember. I, I remember seeing one uh, specifically about Molly Crew and my father walking in the room and saying, "He's like this. This is this is what you listen to." <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, please email us your lists for next week or in two weeks rather. Uh, top five rock docs. Rock docs. Yeah. Rockumentaries. I already have the list made in my head. Yeah. I'm, I'm good to go. I'm already popping some in my head. Yeah, right. I got a couple. You know what series I absolutely love? Uh, sometimes it's on Netflix. Sometimes it's on Quello. If you catch it, is the uh, the classic albums series, oh, yeah, 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 where they go track by track yep. and how they recorded. I've seen some on Netflix, yeah. That one about pyromania yep, is that, ridiculous. With Mutt Lang, yeah. When they start isolating tracks, and you hear there's one song where there's this weird thing going on during the solo, and they're like, "Oh yeah, well that's these first three songs on the album played backwards and all together." I'm like, who thinks of this? Yeah, Mutt Lang does. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's some that's some good stuff right there. So yeah, top five uh, rock docs. Send them to rock and roll junkies at yahoo.com. And uh, hopefully, if you're hearing this on iTunes, uh, you can go to rockandrolljunkies.com and hear the first thirty episodes. Yeah, <laughs> I highly recommend that. Yeah, see. Uh, um, but in sticking with the uh, no copyrighted music, uh, I would like to play uh, a tune from my buddy's band uh, Night Bitch. Yes. They're having their record release party on Friday, June 5th at Cherry Street Station in Wallingford, Connecticut. Uh, we, we actually opened, uh, opened the show with uh, a portion of one of, their, uh, one of the opening tracks on the album. Uh, but the track I'd like to play right now I think is fitting for the Rock and Roll Junkies podcast. is a song called Cities on Flame. You have to tell Chris when you talk to him that I just ordered the gold edition. So did I. I ordered it today. Yes. I ordered the gold edition vinyl. Yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, so this is uh, uh, Night Bitch. My buddy Chris is the lead vocalist. Uh, He also plays a little organ. Uh, Check it out. This song is called Cities on Flame. Let that girl 
Night Bitch. Nice. That rocked. Yeah. You dig that? D- uh, let me tell you something. That drummer is awesome. Yeah. Oh, Dave. He's awesome. That's, I'm glad that's local music, man. They, those guys kick ass. He also drums uh, for uh, Intero and, uh, um, and uh, we got to play a show with them last weekend, and we got to use Dave's kit. So my, my drummer sounded even better because <laughs> his kit is killer. Nice. Cool. Yeah, so let's check that out. That was Night Bitch. They're having their album release party uh, Friday, June 5th at Cherry Street Station in Wallingford, Connecticut. Uh, another cool place to uh, to sh- see shows in the area. Yeah, I think um, all, there's how many albums does Night Bitch have? Like two or three? A, a few, EPs, yeah, yeah, a couple EPs. I don't, I don't really know what the tally is between yeah. their full lengths and they're their all EPs. streaming on their Bandcamp. Yeah, think, so you can check them out. Check no, them out. Yeah. Now a band like this, this song I just heard, mm-hmm. man, this pisses me off that I don't know this band. Like I'm not in the game ah. like I used to be. That's Fucking why. Three that's why kids, the rock and roll man. junkies are here, man. Dude, three kids kills you, man. Yeah. I'm telling <laughs> you, you got no time for anything. Excellent. I'm disappointed in myself. <laughs> we forgive you. I want to thank Dave for coming in. Yeah, seriously, thanks, thanks for having I appreciate me. Appreciate it. I brother. loved it. Yeah. It was great. And I, uh, I really, I really dig the fact that we're going to start having some guests in here, and we're going to get this uh, up on iTunes. So tell your friends, tell everybody you know, uh, rockandrolljunkies.com. Um, at the very least, we will have it on that, and I will be attempting to put this on iTunes tomorrow. So if you're listening to this on iTunes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Please enjoy our other thirty episodes. Yeah. On, in the back catalog. Yeah. All right, and send us uh, for uh, two weeks from now your top five rock and roll documentaries. Anything else to add, Al? Uh, no, just uh, thanks again to David, and um, thanks for the support, junkies. Excellent. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Thanks, guys. <laughs>